Pelotero Pickle, episode 84. Tons of topics today. We've got Byron Buxton going crazy. Sonny D from Auburn hitting tanks. Acuna versus Freddie Beef. Tons of topics here. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 84. It's a good one, man. MLB season has started. But first, our email address is pickle at pelotero.com. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. Give us your feedback. Our Twitter is at Pelotero Pickle. Tweet at us. Let us know. Send us a DM if you want. I just dominated that intro. I switched it up. I thought about it. I put in the work. Chris, how are you doing? 84 episodes later, and you did it. So proud. I, I realized I realized because it's Pelotero Pickle, and then... The email is pickle at Pelotero, and then the Twitter is Pelotero Pickle. It's all jumbled. We need to buy pickle.com so we can do Pelotero at pickle.com. You're doing it so nice right now. You're, it doesn't matter what you said. You did it right. Yeah. I just got, you got to look at it sometimes. I understand where the confusion lies. I get it. I'm uh, good. I'm glad. Uh, so in uh, Chris Colabello's life, we had a, a situation with budget rental car. Rental car. I want to give you the opportunity to clear the air. You you came at him hard in the paint. So let's give us the give us the recap because you listen. did you did the, the tweet that yeah, says they it, got it, right. it got twitterable. It got twitterable. It got I am a very low maintenance dude when it comes to stuff like this. I don't get upset at people at commerce, retail, serving anything like that. I'm not the kind of person that gets really fired up about anything like this. This situation was ridiculous. I go to the airport on Thursday to fly out and there are three flights all going to Florida, one to Orlando, one to Miami, and mine was supposed to go to Fort Lauderdale and mine was the only one canceled. So they didn't give us a reason why I'm assuming the pilot needed a personal day or Mr. Blue needed, uh, you know, to shut one of the air, the airplanes off because he was running out of money or something. I don't know. But, the, you know, and I, when I say Mr. Blue, I mean the owner of JetBlue. I didn't think, I thought that was funny, but it's not. Anyway, uh, the Sorry, point I is. Sorry, I because I had a cough. That, yeah, that was funny. I, I, I was going to comment, but I was busy coughing. Thank you. Uh, at least I don't feel like an idiot. So the point of the whole thing is you cancel my flight. You don't tell me why. Okay, great. You're trying to get me on another flight. Apparently, there's no other flights to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, West Palm Beach in the, in the following day out of four different airports that I gave you as options to go to. So I end up having to fly to Fort Myers the next day. Now, bear in mind, I'm supposed to do a pickup for the car at, I don't know, four o'clock on Friday or Thursday, sorry. And... I it's booked a great it story, and, by the way. And for the first time in my life, I do a prepay on a rental car. First time in my life. I always usually just book it and pay later, but I've done budget a lot lately. I had a discount code. I said, you know what? I'll prepay. It'll be a little cheaper. Flight gets canceled. So I, I call customer service to see if I can get the, the car switched to Fort Myers because I was trying online and nothing was working. So I'm on hold for a good bit. They won't switch the car to Fort Myers. And certainly in that situation, I would have understood, hey, I'll pay a little bit more to pick the car up in Fort Myers, do a drop off in, in Fort Lauderdale for my return flight. And the guy says to me on the phone, he's like, don't worry, you have a 24-hour pickup window in on your original car, so you just pick it up tomorrow around the same time. I said, okay, great, because now I'm going to get picked up in Fort Myers. So 
I call again just to let them know that I'm going to change my pickup time to a day later. Hey, my flight got canceled. I have to pick up tomorrow. Click a couple buttons. You know, if anything, offer me a discount. Say, sorry, sir, that stinks. Here's $50 off. You know, one of those. Let's get into the, let's get into the, you attacking them on Twitter. Yeah. So the guy goes, the guy now tells me that he's going to charge me $150 extra to pick a car up a day later. And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) I was like, no, wait a minute. I don't get it. So the guy put me on hold for 20 minutes. It it was ridiculous. And then he tells me it's only a 13 hour window. Then it's a 15 hour window. Anyway, he didn't do anything. So I told him, I said, listen. I don't mean to say this out loud, but I have an ample social media following and I'm going to make it my life's mission to go after a budget rent a car because I've, I've rented with you in the past. My customer lifetime value is a lot higher than this $150. Are you sure you want it to go this way? He's like, I'm sorry, sir. You know, whatever. So you so said I, you, you did the, the 2022 version of do you know who I am? Yeah, basically. And then I said, <laughs> I'm doing it. So I pulled the trigger and I came, I came in hot. I started going after at budget. A lot of people jumped on the wagon. One person gave me a crying face, which I thought was funny and that's great. But I was just trying to obviously get their attention and let them know that the implication of not treating me well as a customer was far greater than losing me as a customer, which in and of itself shouldn't bother you, right? If you're going to lose one customer. Isn't it crazy how you got, you got a better response from the social media team than you did actually talking to a person? Correct. And it took, you know, once, once they replied to a message, they said, Hey, send us your confirmation number. And I sent it. And then the girl said, okay, DM me. And I told her, I I actually gave her a shout out in my last tweet. I was like, you did a great job. Now that doesn't change the fact that I'm never going to rent from budget again, because to put me through that process is absurd. And I will not delete any of the other tweets that I put up, but I left, I, I gave her a nice, uh, compliment i said kudos to amy from the social media team she did it because all you had to do was say hey good job amy uh, yeah amy well played if you listen to pickle i think you did a good job and probably deserve a raise the other guys the the other guy not so much yeah not so much but it was so i always whenever i get in those situations i always ask for their their customer service id number i want their employee number so they know they're gonna be accountable and if they're i always ask for supervisor I, i try to get past level one it's like playing a video game. You got to get to the next level before you get answers. Those people are trained to not let you do that. So you have to figure out the right words. Right. So it was, but it was absurd because then I got to my drop off yesterday and weird. I paid the same amount that I should have paid from the beginning that I was charged for from the beginning. And it wasn't that hard. It literally was not that hard. I don't understand how it has to be that hard. And I, and I definitely understand that people are trained to do certain things and they don't have the rights to do certain things. But you have to have a little bit of feel for the moment. No, you have to have a little bit of feel for the customer. And I was super polite on the phone. I never raised my voice because I don't do that. It was just frustrating. That's all. I, I want to say something about imagine if you went this loud and aggressively in other areas of your life that you could have. At Major League Baseball? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's coming. That day will come. The day will come. All right, let's jump into it. Thank you for sharing your story. Glad it got resolved because, you know, first world problems and all that. Yeah. Uh, Major League Baseball season started. What's jumped out to you? We got to, I mean, if we're going off wins and loss records, shocker, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is in first. The White Sox are in first. Houston's in first. Philly's in first. Milwaukee's in last. They stink, apparently. Their starting pitching was horrible. 
They're going to be terrible. They're going to get last place if we're going with small sample size. Dodgers are terrible. Padres are going to win the world. Anything jump out to you? Juan Soto hit a bomb. Juan Soto is the man. I like him. He's so good. I like Juan. He's great. Uh, Nothing really stands out. I don't. Arenado, Arenado coming out of the gates hot is really good for him and the Cardinals. I like seeing that. Happy Nolan, point. I'll air your NATO. He's good. He's Rizzo, good Rizzo, couple bombs. Bunch of guys have two homers through a couple games, which is good. Yeah, Red Sox Byron. haven't really hit. Uh, no, but they will. <clears throat> it was weird because they they came out inning one, top of the like top of the first first game, barrel, 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 barrel. It felt like last year in the playoffs when they it felt like they were up in the series, but they were down in the series because yeah. they just they gave up the lead late. It's like they like emotionally peak early and then kind of peter out as the game goes on. No <laughs> pun intended, Pete. I yeah. didn't even mean to do that. X Ander Bogrates is a really good player. Yeah. I like Do you him. think uh you think they're gonna extend Rafi and Xander? Denver's turned it down. Xander's already extended. I didn't think he was. Yeah, he's on a hundred and twenty or hundred forty million dollar deal. Devers got offered. They he said no. How about Judge saying no? Any thoughts on him turning yeah, down? Yeah, I full send would have said no if I were him too, because he should be the like if not the highest paid the player in baseball, ha- one of them. I I thought it had to. Uh, so Xander has an opt out this year. I knew there was a. I knew there was something there where if Rafi. If Devers got an extension, it would increase the likelihood of Xander staying. Uh, I thought Judge's number needed to start with a three, not a two. Not low twos. He's in a weird situation because of his age. And, right. they're and just his injury not, history. They're not going to give deals. I mean, so there is collusion in baseball. Yes. All the owners collude. All The, 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 the collusion is called war. That's what the, they should just call war collusion because – War has now allowed for them to define what a player's worth is, surplus values, all the stuff we've talked about in the past. So all you need to know about what guys are going to get is there are predictors on your production levels that after the age of 32, there's some decreasing exponential number that says at age 37, you'll produce this if you were that at 29 or 30 or whatever so all the deals they offer are based off that and they just won't go past i'm assuming position player seven years um if you're age 30 uh his age definitely hurts him his age he's he's in his age 30 season to get an extension beyond this year for i mean he'd have to go eight or nine years to get to that 300 number, but they didn't so, go, Was it like seven and 225? I thought that was what I said. Yeah, thinking. but if you see what the NBA is doing, right, the, the, the super max deals are getting guys paid significant amounts of money per year for shorter terms, right? Which logically makes sense, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in baseball, it's always been about the guaranteed contract and long-term deals, though. And about, but and about getting dynamic. a pension. But I get it. But if you sign a four-year deal worth two hundred million dollars, I don't think you're going to complain because, at the end of the day, the two hundred million is how really big the is number. how big is pension for a guy like let's say Judge makes full pension? What not what's important. it per year? It does, it's not even relevant at that point, right? So it's, the, it all goes off the league minimum when you're when you're 
uh, your last year, I think. It, that's how it was in the last CBA. I haven't seen if they changed it. So whatever the league min is your last year playing, you get, I think it's some six, if you, if you cap out your pension, it's 60% of that number. So say the league min was 550 your last year, you get 60%. It's about 310. It's, it's, it's risky to do the, the, there's always the risk of injury. I, I always wonder like <clears throat> a guy like judge, could he take out an insurance policy? Yeah. You can that do says, anything you want. Hey, I, I think I'm going to make $300 million, but I'm going to do one year deals. Yeah, but you know what the insurance policy is? It's a uh, big league advance. That's what. That's why companies like that need to exist and can exist because you're essentially betting on yourself. The problem with the pay structure is you don't make any money for six years, basically. Unless you have monster years going into ARB, you're just really not going to make any money, relatively speaking. Now, the, the top-end guys will get to 20 by their last year of ARB or second year of ARB, but most guys will not, like... Your general arbitration hearings, if you look through like relievers and, uh, you know, ninth or tenth position player type type arbitration years, you're getting a million, a million and a half, two million, two and a half million year one. Year two, you're going to do three and a half to five and a half. And then year three, you might get to seven or eight, right? Like that's so when all said and done, you've played six years and you've made $13 million. And I mean, as much as that's a lot of money in real world in New terms York, it's about cool. half of that yeah well that in california uh plus you know you're paying taxes throughout the throughout the country you're paying clubby dues you're paying multiple living spaces it's not like you know sam fold when he was living in san francisco playing for oakland was paying 10 grand a month in rent so for six months that's 60 grand and plus he had a mortgage at home whatever it is so and again you're not crying poverty but the structure of of salaries is just so wrong and if, if you're going to change it to the shorter term deals and you don't mind not having the 10 year deal in my opinion, but you've got to get first and second year guys, the ability to get paid millions and millions of dollars instead of league men, which is part of why this lockout was going on. The league minimum being 500,000 and the highest paid player getting 4 million, uh, 40 million, you know, Bo Bichette, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, early Tatis, these guys were producing at MVP caliber levels. And you know they're gonna make five hundred thousand dollars for three years. Didn't they put in? Um, they put in some sort of like performance bonuses for rookies if they like rookie of the year wins something. They, they should, if, like if you win clauses. the if you win the MVP pre arb, you should there should be some bonus there. There, you're because you're creating so much value for the team for the league. It needs to be easier everything. than that. It needs to be way easier than that. When Pete Alonso won the home run derby, he doubled his salary for the year when he just by winning the home run derby. He doubled his salary just by winning the home run derby. So he made three X cause he won the home run derby. So the Crazy. point is, again, you make no money your first six, you need to get paid more early and then you can, you can load the deals up. But the, the, so the challenge, and this is the issue with the luxury tax, right? If you have a luxury tax in place, you're now capping salaries essentially, right? It is, it is a cap by doing that. You can't have multiple guys making 30, 40, $50 million a year on your team. Because if you do, you're already at the at the luxury tax. So that's where the imbalance comes from. You won't give the 10 year deal. Okay, great. But now you have to pay guys 40 million per the, the 10th man in the NBA can make $7 million a year, the 10th man, the equivalent of the 10th man in, in, in 
and baseball is like the twenty fourth guy on the roster making five hundred grand, and they'll go swap them out for another five hundred grand guy, and now it's probably seven after the CBA or whatever it is. It's still, it's 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 chump change. It's nominal. Yeah, for them, it's yeah. Would if do you think ownership would rather pay a thirty million dollar one year deal or commit one hundred twenty million for for three or four? The reason why you're t- the the reason why teams are terrified of long term deals is because a they don't think they're going to get the production at the back end of those deals based on age and what their predictive models say, and b because the risk of injury right. So when you have guaranteed deals with risk of injury and no opt outs, no way to get out of them, it's just sunk money right that that goes against your luxury tax. So yes, the Carlos Correa example. Why did the Twins sign Correa? Because they're like, yeah, three years, one hundred and thirty million. We don't whatever it was. They, we don't care. So pl- yeah. players, players really should probably start taking high, higher AAV contracts for less years, and really, you're hedging because you're you're going to make significant amounts of money quickly, and you're also putting yourself in a position to go play yourself into another deal. At the end of the day, nobody's going to if you if you do a two year eighty million dollar deal, and then you get hurt, you never play again. You're like, cool, I made eighty million. <laughs> At least, you know. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Let's jump into some uh, individual topics here. Byron Buxton is the best player on the planet. He needs to stay healthy. Did you see the pitch that he got on top of and hit in the third deck? Hundred and one. Yeah, I saw all his homers. What What is he doing? That's he is a special, special talent. I really hope he stays healthy. Uh, yeah, I have no counterpoint. The thing that I the thing I liked even more than the homer was the emotion he was showing because it was like um, it was appropriate emotion he had a long at bat in the eighth inning hit the pitch in the eighth inning to i love buck man he's i don't say that about many people and he's filled out nicely too because i remember when i first met him he was he looked like a a a funyun no a funyun a funyun (laughs) a little lankier a little little wiry than a fungo Yeah. yeah he's got he's got that wiry uh, he he's so good, and I just I so desperately want him to be healthy all year. Uh, yeah, well, he's gonna not like run into walls yeah. and stuff like that. <clears throat> but he's just yeah, he's when you watch somebody like him run, the it doesn't look high effort, and he's going so fast. But it's those so are, those cool are ones that are so impressive, guys. I know that, but that's what I'm saying. Like he's got he's got swagger to him because it's so easy to move so fast. They look so cool. I'm jealous. He can I run. Look, he I looked the opposite of cool when I ran. I was like the antithesis of cool. You always did that like uh, that little tippy toe thing after first base when you grounded out. You know what I'm talking about? You almost got like your feet in front of you to slow down. Hands no, down, I, hands kind of down by the hips. You know what I'm talking I, about. Patrick knows what I'm talking about. You kind of did like a little, little skippy tippy toe type thing. I had to work first. really hard. To have something that resembled a cool jog. My running form is atrocious. <laughs> Producer Patrick's pointing the finger at himself. He's a subpar athlete that made the most of himself. Proud of him. Edwin, Encarnash- Edwin Encarnation had a really good run around third base one time. And Edwin actually moved pretty good. So I was a little bit jealous of him. And how good he moved for his size. 
but he could get really flaily when he ran, so I didn't feel as bad when I was in Toronto because he would he his arms would all be. Ben up. Revere had the worst. The Ben Ben Revere the the flat tire left leg that would kick out when he ran the crazy legs. He'd, yeah. yeah, he'd start swimming. His left leg would start swimming just from the knee how, down. Just knee down. How, it was left foot would just start going sideways. I don't know how you can be that fast and your legs go outward as you're running. He had like crazy external rotation of the left knee. Body going this way, leg going that way. <laughs> His body going his way. His just like this. Kevin Hart. Shout out Kevin Hart and an ostrich. That was the funniest line. That's when I fell in love with Kevin Hart when I saw the He's ostrich. Good. He's good. I, I want to. I want to point something out right now that uh, came to my mind. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Miguel Cabrera for making the stagger step around third cool because that is the thing to do now. Yeah, I think it's the so stupid. Stutter it's, it's, I hate it's it. It's hot in the streets. It's hot in the streets. I know, but why? If somebody did like a. They're, but they're starting to get creative with it, too. College game, it's big. Yeah, stutter step backward. But it's all a look at me moment, right? Oh, 100%. It's Isn't just it all? look at me. All of it is. But I kind of, I mean, I, I think I like it. All right. So Tulo, Tulo had the big come around third windmill underhand high five. Yeah. And I don't think that was a look at me moment. Did I think Bron, it was different. Bron had like the jumping one, like the Mario. It was like you, the, no Braun would do like the big swing too. He would do the who did the who did the jump like the like the layup almost around third. Know. Anything you involve your third base coach in is cool because it's like it's a squad team squad goals. Yeah, yeah. But when you're did doing you, when you, you stutter at every base first, I tweeted about it and got a lot of got a lot of it. That might have been the tweet of the week. The kitty, somebody texted me or tweeted at me and said that they. The kid had a previous injury, so I thought he dislocated his shoulder because he was like running around with his arm dangling. But he tripped around first base after pimping a homer, and it's just funny. And then there was a, a little bench clearing situation. Did you see that? Yeah. Uh, no, I did not. I'm sorry. I'll he go he didn't stutter step around third because he couldn't lift his arm. His right yeah. arm was at his side. <laughs> uh, the coach tried to give him a high, like a low five, and he just kind of like threw his shoulder at him. I there. think you need. It's really important to do understated cool stuff. If you make it, if it's loud, it's not cool anymore because then it's it's the it's the anti cool. I think I think if you if you hit a ball that you know is out, take your time getting out of the box. Yeah, just stand there and watch it for a second. Like take your time. Like yep, admire. Do like a really subtle bat drop, like a like something smooth. You can flip it up a little bit, just not not above shoulder height. Anything below shoulder height for me is good. You can always tell when a bat flips forced. Yeah, forced if, stuff if is stupid. If it goes vertical, it's not good. Um, unless it's like over the shoulder, pull the sword out. The, style, anything anything that looks cool. anything that looks like uh, like you're super annoyed after is awesome. Like yes. if you hit it and you're like. And you just kind of do like some like Ortiz. It's almost like I can't. I can't believe the pitcher threw me that pitch. Why? That's, how is this so easy? Gosh. I'm offended. I'm offended yeah. that he. Threw Those me are that tight. Pitch. Those are always cool. But when you have but, to throw so it get, to orbit, me, yeah, that's not good. Let me finish. So I think if you know you got it, hit it, admire it, start walking, do a do like a cool subtle bat flip, do something with your coach around first. Around second, if you're going to do the stutter step at third, don't do anything around second. If you want to do a helmet tap, that's fine. And then you dap up your coach. Do something fun with the coach at third. Let's be clear. And no I more helmet taps. Helmet taps are done. So Get rid stupid. of them. You should, I, let's on. be clear. I think you should actually admire high fly balls to center for a second too. Like if you miss it, 
you should hold it just in case the wind picks up or something. But then run. You like if you, you should yeah. hit a like if you if you like hit a high fly ball, I think you should pimp that too. But when I say pimp it, I mean like casually hold. Like you gotta learn to lean on people. I see too many college guys that hit homers and they're sprinting out of the box and then they try to do something cool or other guys that are like tr- obnoxious about it and they want to throw the bat in the dugout. And I'm like, dude, we got to find a middle ground here. I, we should teach a class on pimping homers. If we opened up, if we, if Pelotero opened up a class on pimping homers, what do you, how many, how many, we could do an e-course. Think I think we should do an e-course on it and make it as satirical as possible. Yeah. Hit us up at Pelotero Pickle on Twitter if you want. <laughs> the bat pimping is easy e-course from uh, Pelotero. Showtiming Hummers 101. Showtiming right. flyouts. Stephen Kwan doesn't swing and miss. Nope. He's been on base a ton for the Guardians, which I'm still not used to saying at all. The team from Cleveland. The Cle- Terrible the, name, by the way. The awesome. Cleveland Baseball Club. Didn't they do the Washington Football t- Football Club or something like that? Washington um, Football Team, which is worse, called the club. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kwan just doesn't swing and miss. Hasn't done it yet this year. Might not do it all year. Twenty twenty two is the year. Stephen Kwan does not swing and miss. I thought pitchers were so good that you couldn't not swing and miss, Bobby. I thought it was illegal. So producer Patrick gave us some. Uh, I'm going to pull up some stats right now, but he said his on ba- his slugging percentage is up. He's a swing change guy who was a high contact rate guy made swing changes to i guess get more power in his swing so to be clear he's hitting for more power but he hasn't lost any of his to be clear go ahead he learned how to hit first and then how to swing later what a novel idea yep so he went from hitting uh six total homers in his first through college in his first couple years of pro ball Six homers, and then last year he hit 12, which is definitely an improvement. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's going to get stronger. Uh, his current OPS in the big leagues is 4,200. 1.790. It's pretty high. Hey, well, he's uh, his on, on base, base, at a his on base percentage so. is 790. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> Sustainable Nick, Madri- Nick Madrigal is another guy who's trying to – Hit the ball for more power. Con- high contact rate. It's Madrigal is going to be interesting. Um, the the segment that I saw on him, I didn't. I don't know how much it was swing change versus just trying to get the ball in the air. It's it's weird. It's interesting to me how people go about trying to make changes like that. I think it's hard to make physical changes if until you let go. Uh, there was a big. I, I remember, and I think. I can't remember who sent the neural pathways. Was did you send the neural pathways thing? Blocks or somebody sent it to me. The one with the bike. Yeah. Yeah, Carlton sent it. I've sent it to you before. I've I've watched that clip periodically. I, I it's like an, a semi annual clip. I always find my find but myself I, on. I have I have stuff to add to it. I, neural pathways. Preface a clip a little bit. Yeah, talk, so, talk about yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get into it. So the whole concept behind it is this guy, the Dutch. Uh, there's Dutch bike makers that are like friends of his and uh, they make him a bike that has a handle that when you turn it left, the wheel goes right. When you turn it right, the the wheel goes left. And he's thinking to himself right away, I'll take uh, real quick. I'll figure out how to do this. 
and he starts riding the bike and he's a mess. He just can't do it. It takes him like eight months to be able to figure out how to, how to do it. And this is committing a certain amount of time every day to do it. And, and he tra- he, he's traveling he around the world and does doing tours. Yeah. yeah. And ha- asks people to come on stage to do it. And everybody thinks they can do it right away. They can, he, he gives, he offers a thousand dollars to drive across the stage and not put your foot down, not like not put your foot down and be able to get across the stage. And nobody's ever been able to do it. And then he gets into the wise and he has his five-year-old son do it. And it only takes him two weeks to figure it out. And the whole concept is <clears throat> humans, humans have blocked neural pathways, right? Because they become creatures of habit. They do things a certain way. And what it does is it blocks their receptors in their brain from being able to adapt to new things. So conceptually if you think about the baseball swing and and all the things that happen there you know it's a habitual motion routine type stuff and the the challenge (laughs) the challenge is not necessarily the physical it's letting go so your neural pathway is open you have to be able to let go because and this is the layer that i want to add to it we're all holding on to something Bobby. like we're, when we're when we're taking a golf swing when we're taking a baseball swing when we're walking we're all holding on to something and and, and most of that is fear right it's fear of the unknown it's, it's fear of failure i think you can go fear even deeper than that i think you can go even deeper than that say it's like a survival thing if sure if you hear a lion roar you better start moving you don't you don't want to train yourself to not move if there's a lion yeah <laughs> fight or flight type reflexes yeah, and instincts. i think it's yeah. i think it's that deep where you learn how to do certain things and that's be, that becomes who you are. Yeah. I agree. Now, what I'll say is from my perspective, right? I had that I had those same fears. Uh block neural pathways. I only knew how to swing one way. It felt foreign to me to be able to swing another way. I I, I was terrified because of the things that I thought I knew about hitting about what making a swing change would lead to. I thought I would end up swinging and missing. I, and it was crazy because as soon as the click happened as soon as that moment happened where the 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 training translated into the game i was off the races and from that day on i've never been fearful of making any kind of change like i could swing i could swing in 714 different patterns right now or i could try 952 different concepts and none of them would bother me and I would be able to do so if you told me to do something if you said hey I want you to think about swinging straight down at this ball I could do it and I could do it with some sort of urgency or speed and it's all because I've let go of that fear because everything that I thought I believed in originally kind of proved itself the opposite so I felt the thing work and I went oh my god I have to open my mind up to trying new things and now, not to say that it's going to happen overnight, but certainly you can train yourself to create thoughts that allow you to move differently, I think, or I've experienced that. There's, there's one Votto clip where he talks about being able to do whatever you want. He's like, if you want to be a good hitter, you have to be able to do whatever you want. And I've always liked that because you're not trying to create one swing. You're trying to create control of your swing. You're, you're trying to create... Like back control is ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And if your if your skill technique, if your if your process for swinging about is too rigid, then you can't do stuff. You can't move. And that's one of my biggest issues when people try to label me as like a internet hitting guy, and they think I'm like teaching one thing. 
And I always go back to time and component where you have to be on time for release and you have to be on time for contact. And the time between those two points will always change. The It's all about creating movements that are fluid and dynamic and responsive, not like execute this swing perfectly. It drives me crazy. Um, what you were saying about letting go, I love that phrasing and just allowing yourself to do something different. The wording that I would always use in the cage with hitters was go so far that you think is wrong. It's wrong. Yep. Like Absolutely. don't, Extremes. don't try to do it right. I want you to try to do it wrong because until Absolutely. you, until you let your brain say, all right, I'm going to try to do something completely so different that it's wrong. That's when you start seeing changes. And if you just, you just won't get big change unless you give hitters permission to do that. And to be a, like Madrigal, he's in the big leagues trying to do this. So you better have support from your organization because if you're hitting 150 through a month of the season, you're going to get sent down and you're going to ruin your career. It's well, it's crazy to me. Here, here's the crazy part about it, right? So we, amongst all our college guys, guys that I built a relationship with and, and their consigliere throughout the year, you know, there's a couple of them who had really, really good starts, right? Really, really, really good starts. And you're sitting there going, keep going, just keep going, just keep going, right? So now your work is justifying that you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. Your performance matches what you thought you should be doing. Your training is right. Your swing is right. Okay, good. Now, all of a sudden, all these different factors show up every day, meaning whether it, you know you could be a freshman who's never experienced running the marathon because now it's a marathon. Well, it's a half marathon compared to the sprint that you were running in high school, right? And now all of a sudden, things start to go like they just start to leak a little bit. Either you're a little more tired, stressed out, whatever. There's, you're playing with these expectations, and before you know it, crash, right? And now you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. You know, you could be a sophomore who starts out really well, and then you start to like. You know, you go from 430, 440 to 400 to 380, and, and now you start thinking, oh, my God, why do I stink? Why? And these are the parts that are that are incredible, that are that are just so fascinating to me because I, I, it happened to me multiple times. Like I had great starts that led to mediocre first halves, and I had great starts that led to incredible years. And you start to connotate and associate the ability to get hits to what you're doing being right. And don't get me wrong, Bobby, it is about the ability to get hits. You have to be able to get hits. But the way you get hits is to be able to make adjustments in the moments when you need to. It's not by continuing the same. And look, I'm a routine guy. I believe in routines and all that stuff. And I love what Jeter said about having routines and being able to stay the course. But the routine is more about the mental process than it is about, it's about mental consistency and the ability to show up. You have to make adjustments. When the game's telling you your swing's messed up, you have to make adjustments. You have to make adjustments and you have to identify them even when you're having success, right? Case in point, and I, I don't want to talk about who it was specifically, but three weeks ago, a, a, a dude who I thought was immune to this stuff, right? He Like I thought he was immune to seeing into the future and I thought he was immune to, I, I stopped thinking he was human because he just took all the emotion out of what he was doing all the time. And he had an okay series, but it was wet, right? Like it was like duck fart to right, hook ground ball. And I was like, man, I was like, that wasn't good. But you survived it. So you think to yourself, okay, he's going to go back to the drawing board and the next week's going to be good. Next weekend, 0 for, 0 for the weekend. 
You're like, okay, he's going to be all right. He's going to figure it out. I asked him if he was all right. Cool. Next weekend, two for the weekend. So now over two weekends, it turned into two for 29. Right? Into this weekend, 0 for, 0 for 4 game 1, 2 for 33. 0 for 3 game 2, 2 for 36. Right? Because none of the adjustments got made. Because it was, okay, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and try to continue to make it happen and this is where you get lost these are the places where you get lost because now you're, you just think you're the worst hitter ever when really you just had an extended bad stretch that you're hitting what you're supposed to be hitting you're hitting 300 instead of 480 or whatever now you don't want it to be a two for 36 but this is how you learn because if you don't make your adjustments even when you're having success and you don't allow yourself to make changes even when you're going through this stuff this is where it all comes from to me. This is the mind stuff that people can't possibly understand. Because if you're not getting the results on the field, it's almost impossible to convince yourself that you're you're doing things right. You got almost when you're going that well, you almost have to tell yourself, like, keep going, ride the wave. You're not this good, so don't feel bad when you have some bad luck because you're not that bad either. Yeah. You're in the middle. You're always in the middle. So if you're if you're hitting 480, you're probably not a 480 hitter. And that's okay. You're not supposed to be. If nobody else in the league is hitting 480, you're either really, really, really good or you're going to come back down to earth a little bit. It, but that's it's why you have to time. balance confidence with humility. You have to be humble enough all the time to know that the game can eat you up in any moment. Literally. And it can happen overnight. The year in 2015, I, I kept reminding myself of that when I went to the field. I'm going good. I had it because it was now now the difference between 2014 where I started really good. Now, barring the, the thumb injury and stuff like that, the difference in 14 and 15 or in 13 and 15 when I, when I started going good is I thought that it was supposed to be this steady climb. Oh, I started feeling good. I'm, I'm going to keep going good. And as soon as you take an over eight, you start to panic again. And go look for another solution. Instead, in 15, what I did is I just kept showing up and it did. It literally did not bother me if I went over four. I, I was I could leave the field and move on and go to the mall or you know go home and play video games and watch movies just take my mind off what I was doing because I was too vested in the game and I when I tell kids that I've been through all this I, I think they have a hard time believing me because they look up and see my numbers at the end of the year and I'm like dude I went through so much anxiety stress depression it's like all of them and I didn't even know what they were at the time I just thought it was normal but I felt all those things and I was, I was, I defined myself by how I was doing on the field. And that ultimately it affected my ability to perform the next day. Cause I put stress on the outcomes. Uh, Giannis did this incredible interview the other day and he was talking about, they were asking about the scoring title and the interview was incredible because he, he just talked about if I worried about scoring title, it would get in the way of me becoming the best player I could be like maximizing my potential because all I focus on is trying to get better every day it's like I don't even care I don't he didn't even know who was winning the scoring title because it doesn't matter it doesn't it literally doesn't matter your job to, to to maximize your own ability is not to hit 300 this year your job is to keep getting better every day and keep growing into the player that you're going to become and then the numbers will take care of themselves I, I promise you that if we took numbers out of the game and we didn't show them to people everybody would hit better There'd be less emotion. I, I made a, a comment the other day to somebody about how I hate hard 90s. I hate the term hard 90 because you shouldn't run a hard 90. You should run hard to try to win the game. 
and just to go try to win. And like, if you're a basketball player, go try to score more points to, or make the right pass or do the right thing in the moment. Don't worry about the stats. Just go play and go be as good as you can be in every single moment. And it gets lost to your point. It gets lost when you look up at the scoreboard and you see your batting average. You're like, Oh man, I, I better get a hit this at bat or, Oh man, I hope I can keep this going instead of just playing the game. Just play the game. Go play. The, the whole objective should be to contribute to winning baseball, right? If you can so contribute to winning baseball or to winning basketball or to winning hockey or winning football, you're doing your job. Some of the challenges that the manifestation of that within society, society might look at it and say, well, this guy's not that good. Well, he's not scoring any points. He doesn't have any assists. And, and that's why it goes beyond the stat sheet, guys. It's beyond the stat sheet. And at the same time, over the long run, great player stats will show up. Trust me, they'll show up. They always do. That's why when you tell me batting average doesn't matter, I call bullshit. Because batting average is going to show up. The great hitters all hit for high averages. They didn't hit for bad averages, so don't tell me batting average doesn't matter. True. Let's keep going. We're, we got some really good rants going today. I like this. Seiya Suzuki, first homer for the Cubs. He's got like a, the up, like a Shohei upper body with a leg kick. I like it. Say yes, jacuzzi. That's what I call him. Uh, I I literally only saw one. That's a good face. nickname. Come on, man. You you do a nickname for everything. Um, it's uh, it's kind of lost. It's not lost on me, but it's I don't. I'm not say yes, jacuzzi. Come on, that's good. When we go to Dairy Queen, you say you ask for a uh blizzard. Uh, you ask for a lizard. Oh, a lid on your a lid on your blizzard. Yeah, a lizard. A blid a blid on your lizard. So. You asked for a lizard. Yeah. And I, I just can't, I can't keep up. I can't react to all of your Colabelloisms. Chrisisms. Okay. What you call them? Say yes, Jacuzzi doesn't chase. I, I haven't seen enough of him, so I can't really talk about his approach. I think he's um, the best Japanese sitter that's ever come over. Really? How long has he been around for? I think he's like 27. Is that right? 27. And the reason I say that is because I think he can handle Velo better than all the other ones. Because his path isn't super Asian. He's three. He's is that, three is that racist? Am I allowed to say that? I would, no, it's not racist because they're, they're, there's Asian hitting techniques. Correct. That's not right. That's just descriptive. It's not. He he's racist. like he's he's able to create the same rhythm and timing that a lot of the Asian hitters do. So if you if you look at uh, Shohei, right? Shohei was trying to do that leg kick when he came over, and it was not working. He was getting his doors blown in. Now at Alpha Athletes, Shohei was like, "Well, this doesn't work, so I'm going to do a toe touch." Now the irony behind all this is I actually hate his moves now. Um, I think his moves could actually be better and would make him a way better hitter, but that's neither here nor there because he's still an avatar. Um, I like Suzuki's moves and I like how direct his path is within those moves because I've seen him hit velo uh, early, which is usually a telltale sign for an Asian guy who's going to be really good because most Asian Asian guys can't handle velo. Yeah. Good take. Uh, I just looked up his stats from uh, what is it? The uh, 
Japanese. The J JP's WL JP. What's the difference between the WL and the CL? Chris just left. He left their building. I don't know. He. I need an answer. The oh, Western League. And uh, Central League. It's yep. all the Nippon. No, Nip, the Nippon Ham Fighters. It's all the. Are they different? Are they different times of the year? It's like the American League and the National League. Got it. Well, he smashed last year. He Nippon Professional Baseball League. He hit three seventeen with thirty eight homers last year. In one hundred thirty four games, it's pretty good. Good hitter. Uh, excited to see what he does for the Cubs. I liked I liked what I saw from a just a pure mechanic standpoint. Um, if he's got control of it and he doesn't chase, that'd be good. Chris is leaving the building again. I'll keep going. I will keep going. If my tab will open, so the the other thing that's been happening is the pitchcom situation. Chris will have to jump in. Pitchcom is the device that catchers are wearing to signal to the pitcher instead of actually putting signs down. And there's been a lot of, obviously, discussion about this because of the Astros and steel signing, sign stealing and everything that's going on with, with signs. So one thing that I saw that was interesting was the, the Yankees guy had it on his leg, like on his thigh, which I thought was weird, and then he's covering up with his glove. Uh, I had a conversation last night with a college coach about the earpiece and how the coaches can – impart themselves on the game a lot further by just talking to the catcher, which I don't like. The pitchcom thing, I think at Vanderbilt, the pitching coach is calling the pitch and it's going to a watch. Or like a I don't know if it's like a iWatch type whatever it is. It just types in a bunch of numbers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they so it's it's I I don't hate it. As a fan, I like watching the catcher put down signs and like kind of playing along and being involved in the game. So that piece to me, I don't like because I'm not. I feel less involved. It's almost like watching poker when you can see that when they show the cards and then they, you don't see the cards. So it's a different. It's a different involvement in the game. But I don't know. I feel like this is inevitable. I I don't have a, a super strong opinion one way or another. I don't know. What do you What do you got on it? I actually like the headsets better from the standpoint that. It allows coaches to interact, especially at the amateur level, right? Where I would much rather that than you're going to sit here with a wristband on or some digital thing where, like, think about the fact that 10 years ago, if you wore a wristband or like a little white band, they would tell you, oh, you got to take that off because it's going to distract the hitter. So, and now you got Newman quarterback pads all the way up a guy's arm because he's got 77 number combinations. I think that's stupid. I think I definitely, I definitely like it better than like looking down and seeing a card and then having to like look it up. If it just tells you in your ear what pitch to throw. But I would go further than that. I I think I like the interaction between coach and catcher. I would much rather be interaction with coach and catcher. Um, Everything's televised now, so it's almost impossible. And I think it's a paradigm that got created that nobody really considered when they were building the way to give signs from pitcher to catcher or catcher to pitcher. I just think sign stealing should be a part of baseball. And we shouldn't even get mad at the medium on how it's being stolen. Because no matter what, criminals are always going to be ahead of, of the police, right? 
So no matter what we try to do to counteract that, at some point somebody's going to find a way to steal it. Yeah. I think the 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 sign stealing when you have cameras involved and you've got these algorithms involved and if it's not happening in the dugout or on the bases, I don't like sign stealing. If it's happening, if external sources, if it's coming from a TV feed, if if you can't see it from the dugout, you should be able to steal it. I agree with you, personally, from a moral standpoint. I, I think if you, it's if not even you're moral, not because I I'm all for stealing signs if they're stealing. No, 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 but from a moral traditional means. What I'm saying from a moral standpoint, I think the you method that which. Moral, though? It's not moral. Yeah, well, whatever. Legal, moral, it doesn't matter. I think here's why I'm saying moral. If somebody's letting me steal their signs, then shame on them. Absolutely. Not shame on me. That's that's why I think morally. That'd be, the the equi- that'd be the equivalent of somebody putting $20 on your front yard and and saying, oh, are you going to take this or are you going to go find whose it is? No, you, you dropped $20. You dropped it in my front yard. I'm taking it. It's mine. It's 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 mine. I'm not going to go look around like morally. I'm okay there, in my opinion, and each person can have their own opinion. Like you put your signs down in a way that I can steal them. It's not my fault that I'm taking them, because we. This goes back to what we were talking about before: humans, survival of the fittest, fear, uh, survival, alpha maleness, competitive advantage, whatever you want to call it. These are all real things. So when we sit here and say. Oh, well, people shouldn't steal signs. Well, if you don't like your signs getting stolen, don't let them get stolen. It's not, we're talking about things that are really not that hard. So I'm watching, uh, I'm watching a college game the other day and the catcher, the, it, I was sitting with Treza at the game actually. And, uh, the, the college kids are so obvious, right? Treza within three pitches goes, uh, the, the runner on second is outs plus one. And he couldn't even see the signs. And we were watching the game. And we go, oh, the catcher keeps telling how many outs there are before, like, every hitter. He's like, oh, he's coming out, like, two outs, two outs, two outs. And then he's at two outs He's going as he's getting in the crouch. So, yeah, you're going outs plus one with a runner on second base, you idiot. <laughs> Half the time the pitcher's tipping the pitch anyway. It's, that's what I'm or saying. You should, like, or you should just know a pitch is coming most of the but time. This whole, right. It, it, so I, I hate the fuss about this. It, the implication that knowing the signs is going to make you hit. Yes, it is an advantage to know what's coming. I am not in disagreement with that. I know what's coming 90% of the time anyway. 80. 80% of the time. If I if you, if you we went back and tracked my awareness of what pitch was about to be thrown... I would say 80, less than 20% of the time, I was completely shocked at what was wrong. But the right on right change on uh, on one, two. But again, you learn your lessons from those things. Then you start to evaluate. You learn how people are pitching. You know, we have all these we have all these charts and percentages that we're taking based on past performance anyway. So humans are creatures of habit. We build an idea of what they're doing. I Getting back to the original point. I think the wristband things are stupid. Like putting a digital, like the fact that they, they, they were still, they were still protecting the thing from, from the guy's eyes. It's like, come on, dude. I, I'm telling you back, back when you used to solve these problems, all, you know how you solved it? You threw one in the guy's ribs, which brings me to my next more. point, which brings Don't me to my next more. point. Yeah. Great segue. So Andrew McCutcheon got pretty pissed at the Cubs cause he got hit by a pitch. 
sounds like I don't even know what the build up to it was. Did other guys? Other yeah, guys the got Cubs hit got or? hit like a hundred and six times. All right. So, as I said earlier, the Brewers pitching stinks this year, and they hit everybody, which they don't stink. They're really good. But McCutcheon came up, and it was his last at bat of the series, I believe. Veteran guy. And the first pitch of the about was like a slider or a cutter away. So didn't try to hit him the first pitch. And then I guess the second pitch, didn't try to hit him, and then hit him with the third pitch. Or later in that bat, he got hit. So he's just pissed because he's like, look, if you're going to hit me, hit me. Don't dilly-dally. Don't try to throw a strike on the outer half with a pitch that's moving away from me. Just hit me, and then we can move on. Don't. That's what it seemed like he was mad about. Which I think he's got a fair point. The game, the game always tells you what to do, and you should never wait till a guy's last at bat. When, when at the whole Rangers saga with us, they waited till Jose's last at bat of the the summer against them, which is brutal. Like you don't wait till the last at bat to hit him. You don't. You just do it. Let him like everybody knows. Just do it and move on. So McCutcheon is right. He's absolutely right. He 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 said this is the old school guy in me, and other teams have old school guys. And I hope there's enough old school guys. It's such it's such crap to wait. Just do it. Everybody knows you're gonna do it. Everybody knows you're doing it on purpose. Just do it. And the fact that we're suspending guys and blah 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 and this and that like. Look, give a reliever a one-game suspension if you want. I don't care because they're not going to pitch one day anyway, so just sit them down. But the point is, just do it. I don't understand why we're trying to beat around the bush and trying to make it look like we're not doing it because everybody still knows you're doing it. So just do it. Get him. All right. Next topic. Uh, Ronald Acuna did an interview in Spanish. I listened to the whole and thing, by the way. Supposedly talked trash about Freddie Freeman. Then they interviewed Freddie Freeman about it. And it sounded like Freddie was just kind of being like the veteran guy. And yep. if you remember, if you go back, Acuna got benched for not running a couple times. Time. There were a couple issues there with him running. Freddie told a story about needing to wear. Uh, did I freeze there? Freddie no, told good. a story about how he came on. He was wearing some Christian Louboutin shoes and. You got in trouble because they were considered tennis shoes because they didn't have a heel, so we wore cowboy boots the rest of the year. Uh, he's just being the veteran guy, and I think it sounds like it got blown out of proportion based on if you put the two stories together. It seemed like the media was just trying to make a story out of it. I don't, I don't know. You said you listened to it. You understand Spanish. I don't. What'd you get from it? So he was doing an IG live, which first of all made him feel like he was in a safe space, even though he's not. The way the questions were phrased was basically in a way that it was like, hey, are you are you sad that Freddie's gone? He was like, not really. They can't control it. Ronald, it was more of like, you, you can't control who's on the team or not. But Ronald clearly did not have like a good relationship. When you come up as a rookie and you're the guy that people, you feel like you're the guy that's being picked on. Even though you're not the guy that's being picked on, you're being picked on because somebody sees something in you and they want to help you not make the same mistakes they did. Or sometimes it's like they have something against you because you're stealing some of your thunder, whatever. I don't think Freddie was trying to steal like the thought Ronald was stealing his thunder. But it, it's like stay within your, you know, just 
harness, stay humble, be within the confines of like respectable humanity and, and respect to the game. And that I think is what Freddie was doing in a lot of ways. And it, maybe there's some jealousy, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. But all the stuff that he was saying and, and the way Ronald did the interview and the way he answered the questions was basically like, yeah, he used to get mad at me and I didn't understand why. Because Ronald's a really loud personality. And when you have a loud personality and you try to kind of like just reel that guy in, Stro Stroman and Burley had the same thing. Like Burley would try to pull Stroman back in and Stro would just kind of be like, whatever. And Stro really loves Burley and respects him. I'm not saying that he didn't. But you're young and you're emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's a absolute superstar talent. And you could see how things like that can happen. You could see how, like, a veteran player upholding certain rules could upset a younger guy. We're going to skip the non-MLB stories. We'll do that last. We have a player named Roki Sasaki. Through a perfect game. He's 20 years old. I didn't see his velocity, but he looks like he throws absolute fuel. Uh, he just looks like a really good young pitcher. Is he the next Shohei that's going to come over here and dominate? It seems like there's a bunch of young dudes throwing 100 miles an hour. And is they're Roki, all, they're all going to blow. Is Roki Sasaki the real deal? I, I'm I'm a big proponent of until you do it, then you haven't done it. So I don't know. It remains to be seen. I certainly think you can predict all you want but it, it, it i mean you know me i don't like to th the there's first too much perfect game he had a night it was a 19 strikeout perfect game first perfect game in the npb in 28 years yeah it's uh, the fans were going crazy th there's too much unpredictable now the one thing i will say is when you're playing in the higher levels in japan you're already building up the third deck effect right You've already played in front of 50,000, millions of fans watching. So I think getting polished there is different than getting polished, let's say, in, in Cuba or even Taiwan or low-level minor leagues, college. That dynamic's changing everywhere, but, you know, there's just something different about the big leagues. So, you know. The, the things you have to look out for with Japan, America is culture shock, all those things like just being in a different country, not around your family, not around what's normal to you, eating different, traveling different, all those, those are, the, those are the considerations. And if you can get used to those things then you can be okay. Some, some of the guys can't, that's happened before. It's like when guys go play winter ball, you have to embrace the other culture. You can't expect to make it your own culture. Yeah. I like one of the comments was DeGrom could probably swirl a few perfect games, to be fair. Instead of twirl, he said swirl. So high-level baseball comment there on from that guy. What's his name? From Harry Harrington. What a name. Harold <laughs> Harrington. I hope that's a spoof account. What a name. Uh, UCF versus Memphis. Just I, I have trouble following what happened in this situation. Guy hits a homer. They did the George Brett pine tar thing at home plate. Called the guy out. And then the pitcher went in like the, the UCF manager went crazy. Uh, started like going at the bench, like he was making moves towards the bench. And then the pitcher from Memphis started yelling at the guy, yelling at the coach. He got tossed. 
I saw on one thing that the homer got overturned and they allowed it, which the pine tar rule is fake. That's it's not even a real rule. Uh, maybe it is in college, but it's not in, in the big leagues. The George Brett homer got reversed. People forget that. What, what happened? What is going on? The only funny <laughs> part about this. The, when they started putting the bat across the home plate, I'm like, this is not going anywhere good. The only funny part about this whole thing is that George Brett put out a tweet saying, I didn't know pine tar still existed or something like that. I, I remember. I didn't I, see I, that. I read it. Yeah, he, he put out a tweet saying, I didn't know pine tar was still a thing. Like, uh, And that's the only part that matters to me. The, <laughs> rules are so stupid. Sometimes <laughs> it's just so stupid. The step out of the box. It's it's literally. I mean the 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 coach the, of the did the you Packers see the sticker like, what the thing? What's going on out there? So you saw the thing in in college baseball with the stickers. Tennessee now, versus Vanderbilt. Yeah. Everybody, every college baseball team in the country had to buy a set of fifteen hundred dollar rings that they have to put on their bats before every game or every series or every week. And do a check-in saying the numbers on the thing. They have to file a log. And I'm like, dude, this is so dumb. It's so dumb. It's literally so dumb. And some company made a lot of money because they got to sell a bunch of $1,500 rings to a bunch of college teams. Because they have to like... You should have done that. The coach Next from year. Clark showed it to me. Billy Cather showed it to me. It, you literally put the ring over the knob and it, it swirls all the way down to the, bat, the end of the bat. And if the, the ring won't go over the bat completely can't use the bat it's illegal because it's like and is it is it your fault and the, the company's like yeah well we can't take it back you've already used it so now from a commercial standpoint it's just money changing hands and this is like dude, just create so the whoever has a company that's making these rings for fifteen hundred dollars they good for them they got their way they got their foot in the door they'll probably change the rules next year so they have to buy a whole new set of rings what a debacle. The implications of the fact that your equipment can have that huge of an impact, like in a game where there's so much volatility, is obscene to me. It's obscene. Like, can we stop taking... The, the kid from Tennessee lost a homer because the catcher from Vander, Vanderbilt literally goes, hey, look, he's got the wrong sticker on his bat. And the umpire Which the bat was approved it. the week before. Yeah. It was a midweek game like two days earlier. Like, ah, the bat's not legal it's anymore. It's so Sorry. stupid. I hate all of it. Just go home. If you don't like it, play better. Hit him in the ribs, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't you matter. Know who, you know who's not affected by any of this nonsense? Sonny D from Auburn. Yeah, Sonny D, another good segue. <laughs> Sunny Sunny D is the new Tommy a, White. He's a unit. Yeah. Sunny D, he transferred in from Samford. He set the the school record for homers at Samford as a freshman, and then went through COVID stuff and didn't even really hit that well. Like he hit okay the next two years, but he didn't hit. He, I think his freshman year he hit 19 homers, and then he didn't the next couple years. Transfers into Auburn. Dude's hitting like 450, near the top of the country in homers. This dude is mashing, and I, I said it to, in the text yesterday. He is the guy from Moneyball that's afraid to go to second base. That's him. This is this is him. They if they redo that movie, Brad Pitt's got to come back, and this guy's playing the guy who's afraid to go to second base. This kid absolutely smashes, hit yeah. homers all over the field. He's got a two to one walk to strikeout ratio, which to me is probably the most impressive part. He's got thirty. In 28 games, he had 30 walks and 15 strikeouts. 
that that ratio doesn't exist in today's game for a power hitter. And he's hitting 450 with like 12. Yeah. It's incredible. Professional raker. Professional. He's a hitter. He's a good hitter. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing that happened last night, Brett Phillips just once again proving he's the best defensive pitcher slash outfielder slash hitter. He, I think he's actually setting the bar for Shohei, and he's he's really leading the way for two way players pitching in twelve run ball games on Monday nights. He this, is he the is catch that he definitely. made. He slid for so long before. There's one out in the ninth, pop up towards the dugout. This dude put Full on the sense. Jets. He Full put on sense. the Jets. He was going to make that play, and then he slid. And typically you're catching the ball like at the bottom of the slide. He slid for like eight feet and then made the catch. What a human. Brett Phillips lives, what a human. For, <laughs> lives for moments that most other people don't see opportunity in. Did you see him run on the bases post game? Yeah. He's run the bases. The, 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 the yeah. kids run the they get to run the bases. He's out there running the bases with the kids. That's but that's Incredible. why it, it fully makes sense that he has a, a company it's called Baseball is Fun. Literally sells gear that says baseball is fun. The 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 thing I love about Brett is that he's as authentic as it comes when it's about enjoying and being present and and really embracing what competition can do for people. And as much as he has built a persona around it there there's some some really good lessons to be learned in it because we take it too seriously sometimes we get too serious about the game and serious in a bad way meaning when the game's out of reach we think we can stop playing and stop competing as opposed to just continuing to do the thing that you love to do when you're a little kid because if you can do that it, it ties directly into the thing with Giannis where the, the scoreboard doesn't matter, guys. Like, it does not matter. We're paying too much attention to the scoreboard instead of just playing the game. He's a he's a national treasure, Brett Phillips. Well, the best part is in his, in his post-game interview, he goes, yeah, I'm going to have to call my mom and let her know that I didn't have my best stuff today. Because <laughs> I gave it up in the ninth. And he, and, I mean, he takes I do it wanna, seriously. I do want to ask him about his, his wind-up is... I don't even know. He's facing straight forward the whole time. Maybe yeah, he's just optimizing it's, uh, his defense. It's Alec, defense no, optimization. It's, it's uh, the the what was it Mike 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 uh, Marshall Marshall with the, and then it's also a little bit of Alex Cobb because Alex Cobb used to bring his leg up like straight forward. He brings it straight forward and then turns it. So it was a blend of both those things. Look, the, he has he's gonna, fun. Like, he needs to be involved with Savannah Bananas. Brett has fun. And that's, I can't blame him for any of that because if you remember to have fun, then the game can never get too daunting on you because it does. It does for most people because when you take it too seriously, then that's when bad emotions come in as opposed to, you know, I'm going to remind myself I'm playing a little kid's game. And that's the beauty of it, I think. And in my opinion, uh, again, national treasure, whatever you want to call it, he's he's good for the game because... And it's not Inherently. like he's a—he's not a goofball 100 percent of the time. He knows how to work hard. He—he, he, by all accounts, he's like a great teammate, hard worker, takes care of the things he needs to take care of, but can also let loose and have fun. I wish but I had more of that in me because I—I tend to be way too serious. This is one of the one of the things that I say to people all the time. Like, 
it doesn't matter what your personality is. As long as you let your personality out, you have a chance to be the best version of yourself. You have to be in an environment where that's allowed or not necessarily allowed, but permitted. Uh, I guess that's the same word. You need to be yourself. And if yourself is that guy, then be my guest, man. Because as long as you show up at 705 for the game, I don't really give a crap what you do, what else you do. It doesn't, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how showtime you are. It doesn't matter how flash you are. You got to post, man. And that's why I respect the heck out of people that post up when it comes time to do it. It, it, it. The other stuff's all eyewash if it's eyewash. But if you post up at 705, nothing else matters. Literally. Like you can wear, you know, uh, I don't know, women's underwear for batting practice. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Can you play hard at 705 and help our team? And he Flowers does that in the in front. Spades. Just remember, flower goes to the front. Uh, ML, Non-MLB stories, we had the Masters this weekend. That's really the only thing I care to talk about. Most interesting to me, Scotty Scheffler, four putts, 18 to win by three. How big of a flex is it to be able to say, I four putted 18 in Augusta and won by three? Yeah, it's... Uh... Pretty good. Any, no thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was very. I mean, it was underwhelmed. I, I think the only storyline for me was Tiger. It didn't. Nothing else mattered. It, it's Tiger playing. Golf's better when Tiger plays. Scheffler, Scheffler's on a heater. He's a really good golfer. Um, they're all really good golfers. Like my dad said, oh, this guy's this guy's really good. I said that they're all really good. And he's just he's as hot as you can get when, right now. He's, it's that's that's what I'm, so it's when a guy gets in the like swing zone and he's in that flow state mentally. In golf, Jordan Spieth did it when he when he ran the the gauntlet there and won all the majors or whatever. And it, it, it's amazing how it, when when you when you get to that place and it's like when mechanics meet approach, right? When when and in golf, I'm sure when swing meets mindset, it's the same thing. Then you can become this supreme being amongst supreme beings. Scheffler's an interesting one. There were a couple stories that came out the, this week with Tiger playing. There was one Gary Player said that Tiger essentially coached him. He he lessened himself out of greatness. That he thought he, Gary Player thought Tiger was going to win like twenty plus majors, but kept changing his swing. I think Tiger's pursuit of perfection took him out of greatness to, in some regards. And then Jordan Spieth, as you just mentioned, was on a on a heater like Scheffler was, and now Spieth is fighting it. He's going through swing changes, and it, it's it's so fragile. Because it's hard to say that when you, when you have, so when you build the expectation in, right? When you build the expectation of how great you're supposed to be as soon as you're not, and this is the balance. This is like that, per, that blend of, we're, we're like what's enough and what it, it, it's a it's an art dude it's an art to be able to go i know why i was bad it's okay i'm still gonna be better without going too far and and, and then it's about survive exist adapt change and, and and dealing with this influx of of all this crap that gets thrown on you because when you when you win outright and and winning can be you know, hitting 330, it's a Zen flow state. I tell people that all the time. It's there's no other way to say it other than it's about the ability to wake up and show up every day, 
regardless of the outcomes and dealing with ever adapting circumstances. Because every day that you wake up, you're a different person than you were the day before. It, whether people want to admit it or not, you're a little older, a little slower, a little bit more banged up, a little more tired, a little more this, a little more that. Identifying those things on a day-to-day -day basis, the only way the only way you can get to that place is through maturity and really understanding self. And that's why Tom Brady to me is, because we're talking about a guy who continues to show up and put his team in a position to win every day, day in and day out regardless of what the, 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 the ulterior circumstances are. So to me, that's the greatest athlete that's ever lived because he's a guy who's done it for so long and done it within, like, if you took Barry Sanders, all Barry Sanders or Bo Jackson's athleticism away, they wouldn't be able to compete at the level that they did for so long. So the best athlete of all time, I guess ability to compete is is a condition it's an element of best athlete and that's why we're never gonna get to the, we're never gonna get the answer yeah you know? best best athlete to me speaks more to physical and like toolsy kind of like athletic performance and athleticism sure but i it it's just words it's tom yeah, it's, i think tom just... brady you get like the the best competitors are like the, the jordan the brady the jeter that type uh, it's it's mentality the mentality is the thing that's lasting it's funny because we're looking at a, an athlete amongst other athletes who are far superior, right? So even the, we think of it from that lens of uh, like I say I, I was never an athlete. I was, you know, I wasn't an athlete. I was a baseball player. But most people dream about being able to athlete the way I did. No offense to anybody out there, but whatever. I'll just brush my shoulder off for that. But the point is. Yeah, I like I get it from a physical standpoint. You go, well, this guy doesn't have this, this, and this, but it doesn't. It almost doesn't matter <laughs> because it matter at the end of the day, the scoreboard is the only thing that matters when everything's said and done. But how can I not pay attention to the scoreboard? Again, it's it's you have to live within this world where the scoreboard doesn't matter to you in the moment, but know that that's the barometer of how you're going to be measured and. I think the great ones don't use the scoreboard in the moment to measure themselves. They may, they, they let it be the measuring stick over time. Good stuff. That's it. That's all we got on the show notes. You got any post show? I thought say yes. Jacuzzi was really funny. It was good. I'm just, we'll, we'll have to see if people email us at our email pickle at pelletero.com and tell us if you think you're so proud now you're what so is it proud. say a jacuzzi say, say a jacuzzi? yes jacuzzi say yes jacuzzi okay uh it's not your best the when we went through dairy queen and you asked for a lizard i, I laughed when you did that all sides the first time funny. the first time you said it i laughed the 27th time you did it i'm like all right i'm it's, Juwan Soto and Bruce Harper is good. I can't even take credit. For I do Bruce like Harper. I like Bruce Harper. <laughs> it makes me laugh because he's not a Bruce, but it's funny. That's it. I, I don't have any post show. We're done. Other than Sunny D, I can't wait to. I, I need to watch Auburn play. See what this. See what his at bats are like. Hey, it's a good go name too. His oh, name. Alabama swept Ole Miss, who was number one in the country. No big deal. Rutgers twenty five oh, six national ranking. One. Ole Miss is number one. They were. Tennessee's only lost one game all year. Tennessee's Ole Miss was one Come on. before that. 
That can't be real. It was surely, truly, and truthfully. Ole Miss was one in the country in the second national they ranking. They shouldn't be. On. They shouldn't on that be that note, one. On that note, college baseball would be fun. They're number seven, not number one. They were. They were one at one. You mark on the my schedules, words. On the schedules, it tells you what the what they're ranked during the time of the game. They were not one this week. They were one in the second national ranking that came out. Yeah. They played. So Alabama plays Tennessee this weekend. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Tennessee rakes. That's why this was a huge sweep for them. Tennessee rakes. Yeah, watch out. And they pitch, and they get a guy that throws 104. Yep. On that note, they go out. <laughs>